we're in a series right now called Seeking God, um, and this has been really a passion point of mine, of us just coming to the place of not just us seeking God, but us asking this question right here. And here's the question that we've been asking, and the question is, what is God seeking? That's the question that we're asking. What is God seeking? Because really, whatever God is seeking, that's what I want to be a part of. That's what I want to be like. And so in week one, if you weren't here, we looked at that God is seeking people who are wholeheartedly committed to him. What does it look like for us to not be half-hearted, but to be wholehearted, to go all in this year in 2023? This can be potentially the best year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. If it's not the best year spiritually, it probably won't be the best year of your life. So what does it look like for us to go wholehearted, all in to him? And so that was week one. And then week two, last week, we talked about in part two that God is seeking people who prioritize being with him. And we looked at the story of Mary and Martha and, and, and those two uh, contrast of one another, that Martha was kind of this doer, but Mary was this one that prioritized, the, there's, that there's only one thing that Jesus says, there's one thing that, that Mary got right, and that we want to be a people who, who make that our priority, not just on Sundays, and I pray that Sunday is a priority for you, but that every day it's a priority of you seeking the Lord first and foremost. Now today, if you want to take some notes, if you got some notes, wave them at me if, you got, if you're in here in the room. Okay, yeah, let's see it. Good job. All right. Some of y'all just got the paper and you ain't planning on writing anything. You just waved it at me. That's all right. That's okay. It's in your hands. That's all right. That counts for half credit. So um, here's, here's, here's today. Ready? Today's, we're going at this. God is seeking people who are lost without him. God is seeking people who are lost without him. And today we're going to look at a story in Luke chapter 19. If you've been in church for any long time, you probably have heard this story. But today I pray that God would give us some revelation here. Let me set up the context of the text. The context of the text is that this is a story that Dr. Luke wrote. Dr. Luke is the author of this book, and he wrote this specific story in his book. He included this in this book, and this is a really big deal because this is the only book that has this story in it. Matthew, Mark, and John left this story completely out, but for some reason, Dr. Luke felt it was incredibly important for you and I that there was something that happened in the magnitude of this moment that you and I need to know. Now, this is right before Jesus enters into Jerusalem to ultimately have the worst week of his life, which leads to, of course, the crucifixion, which is the greatest day of our life. I mean, oh, it cost him everything, but, but it's the greatest day for us. And so this is kind of the last personal, real interaction that he's going to have um, with someone like in a power encounter and this is it. Right after this, he's going to enter into Jerusalem, and then he's going to go through that whole week of getting himself ready for um, going on the cross. But in Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10, I like to do this every so often. Why don't you stand for the reading of God's word? This is where we're going to be predominantly all day today. And so I want you to read this out loud with your greatest reading voice that you got. I'll put it up here on the screen. We'll all read it together, and then we'll pray, and I'll let you sit down. It says this, he entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, 
And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Father, we love you. And God, we just thank you that we are here today in your house, centered around your word. And I thank you that your presence is here in this room. And for those who are joining us online today, God, I thank you that you're with them. Now, I pray, God, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart ready to receive all that you have for us today. Speak to us today. Lord, we love you. And dear God, help the Cowboys win tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. That's my team. I'm sorry, y'all. I just got to put in a petition. Put in a petition to the Lord. <laughs> Today we get introduced to a man. Dr. Luke introduces us to a man by the name of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. He is a tax collector. Now, let's all be honest here. Nobody in this room likes tax collectors. Anybody like paying taxes? Anybody? No, no, no. How many of y'all like it whenever you go and you do your taxes and you find out you're getting something back? How many of you just glad, like, yeah, you owe me. Bring it back to me, all right? Um, this guy was a tax collector. If you know anything about tax collectors, they worked, they were employed by the Roman government. He was a Jewish man, but employed by the Roman government to collect the taxes of the Jewish, of his own people, of, his, of the Jewish people. So, of course, he's, he's a sellout. He's, uh, I mean, he is the lowest of the low as, of what you can think of in terms of a Jewish man because he's literally sold his soul for money. That's really what he's done. Um, he has not only um, taking taxes from his people, but the Romans allowed them to do this, which was, if you want to, you can set the tax to be whatever it was. So let's say Rome said the tax was $100 for every person there. Well, the tax collector could set that tax to be really whatever he wanted it to be, and they could not dispute it. So he could go to a widow woman and say, well, you owe taxes today. How much do I owe? You owe $150. And she was like, well, I thought last year was $100. Sorry, price went up. It's 150 and he would have Roman centurions all around him for protection, and oftentimes when people did not want to pay their taxes, then he could easily have the Romans throw them in jail or even kill them. And so this guy is like the lowest of the low. He's, he's, he's taking money from his own people, giving it to a government that is oppressing his people. And on top of that, he's taking more than he, they're supposed to pay, and he's pocketing the rest of it. He's collecting these taxes, and he's stealing from his people. He is the original 
Bernie Madoff. That's who he is. He's stealing from the people to make himself rich. Notice it says in the description of him that he is not only a tax collector, he is the chief tax collector. He's the, he's the head honcho. He's the guy at the top. He's not just collecting taxes. He's got a whole crew of guys that are Jewish tax collectors that work underneath his regime. He's at the top. And not only is he at the top in the area of status, he's at the top in the area of wealth. This guy is extremely wealthy. Zacchaeus is rich. He is so wealthy. Zacchaeus ain't driving a Prius. Okay, listen. This guy, has got, this guy has got the nice house on the hills. He's got the mansion. He's got the infinity pool. He's got the 80-inch screen. He's got the latest model chariot you can imagine. This is that guy. I mean, he's got it all. He's incredibly wealthy, and he is the chief tax collector. Zacchaeus has influence. He's got prestige. He's got status. He's got power. He's got connections. I mean, this guy is connected. He's connected with the Roman government. He's got connected with emperors. I mean, he's got connections. He's got money. From the outside, everything looks great. But on the inside, he's lonely, he's hurting, and he's searching. This is a guy who has an issue in his life. Watch this. He's got an issue in his life that money can't fix. He's got an issue in his life that status won't fix. He's got an issue in his life that no connections can fix. He's got an issue in his life that no power can fix. And today, as we unpack the story of Zacchaeus, I want us to do a couple of things. We're going to put ourselves in the shoes of Zacchaeus because whether you know it or not, we're all Zacchaeus. But then we're also going to look at the story of Jesus paralleling with Zacchaeus because our desire is not just to be like Zacchaeus, which we unfortunately are. I mean, our desire is to be more like Jesus. So we're going to look at Jesus and his pursuit of Zacchaeus, but he's got an issue. How many of you have got some issues in your life that money can't fix? How many of y'all wish you could just buy your way out of something? No connection can fix. No status can fix. No matter what your title is, none of that can fix it. Wasn't it amazing that when DeMar Hamlin fell down and had a literally cardiac arrest in the middle of the NFL field, you've got guys who are millionaires that can't do nothing. Because money can't fix this. I mean, you know, it's just to a place where you go, there's only one place that I can go. And there's only one person that I know that can fix the situation that I have myself currently in. And so today, if you're taking some notes, which I know everybody is in here, I want you to write this down. Like Zacchaeus, success and stuff never satisfy. Success and stuff, they never satisfy. On the outside, he looked like life was great. And people will often look at you and they think you got it all going on, but they have no idea that you're hurting. They have no idea what's going on on the inside of your life. And church, listen to me. We need to stop judging people based off of external appearances. We need to stop judging people based off of what we see on the outside. Do not judge 
a book by its cover. Do not judge a person by their social media feed. They are fooling you. And for many of them, they're actually fooling themselves. Because you look at it and you go, man, their marriage is amazing. Look at these pictures and look where they go and look what they do. And what you cannot realize is they are just putting on a show. You look at that person on social media and they look so happy and the reality is they don't even like themselves. We see this all the time. I mean, we can even come into church and we smile and Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And what they really don't know is that you're struggling and you got doubts and you got fear and you feel so disconnected from God. If you even told people, you'd feel embarrassed. And so we have to be careful because in the story of Zacchaeus from the outside, it looks like, man, everything is going right. He's at the top of his game. He's the chief tax collector. He's either worked or bribed or cheated or however he's gotten to the point of where he is in life. But he is at the top of his game. He's got all the money you can imagine. Everything seems to be going really well in his life. His bank account is full, but his soul is, ban is bankrupt. And this can be the case for all of us in many ways that we have things going on in our life that seems like everything's going really well, but in the things that really matter, we're bankrupt. We could be winning at work and losing at home. And so stuff and success never satisfies. This is why you find often those who are in the entertainment industry that seem to be doing so successful commit suicide. Because if stuff and success could really satisfy the deep areas of your, of your soul and of your heart, they would be the most successful people. But notice, marriages never, their marriage never works. They're so dissatisfied because on the outside, everybody, everybody envies them. But if they really saw what was going on on the inside, you would realize they're hurting and they're broken. And for Zacchaeus, he was incredibly lonely. Because another description that we get, Dr. Luke gives us, is not only is he a chief tax collector, and not only is he incredibly rich and wealthy, but this man is small in stature. Let me tell you what that means. He's short. <laughs> That's what it means. He is short. Now, if you grew up in church like I did, there was a song for Zacchaeus. That, how many of y'all remember the song about Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in us. Oh, look, some of y'all went to church. Wanted to see, and he said, Zacchaeus. Okay, y'all y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all there. All our church kids, y'all. Church kids unite. Now, let me just go ahead and just tell you right now, don't you ever call a man a wee little man, okay? No, like, don't you ever do that. Like, if you want to get throat punched, do that. If you want to do that, don't ever call a man a wee little man. Now, now, let me do this in here. How many of you, okay, if you are tall in this room, let me hear you. Tall people unite. Come on, tall people. Let's hear you. Let's hear you. Okay, short people. Come on, short people. Let's go. Let's go. Now, think about the dichotomy of this here. Think about the dichotomy. He's a chief. He's tall in his life and yet he's short. He is a short man. And on one hand, Dr. Luke is giving us, on the front hand, all of the things he's big in, 
but at the same time telling us everything he's small in. He is large in, in status and in wealth, but yet he's short in stature. This can be the same for all of us. Why though, think about this, why does Dr. Zach, I mean Dr. Zach, Dr. Luke, give us this description? Let me ask you this question. What color was Mary Magdalene's hair? Brown. Anybody know? Brown. You know that? Or are you guessing? <laughs> Let me ask you all this. What color was Luke's eyes? Oh, hold on. How big were Moses' feet? Anybody know? No, no, listen. Y'all guessing. You don't know none of that. I think he had blue eyes. Like, have you been to Israel? He was white. Jesus wasn't even white, y'all. Okay? Like, stop. So this is, this is huge. You tell him. I don't need to. You did. So... All right, so this is so huge here. Like, think about this, though. There are details that are in the scriptures that you do know, and there are a lot of details in the scriptures that you don't know. So it's very important as you're reading scripture, when, when, when a writer gives you description, pay attention, because he's trying to get you to understand something. Because we could have just said, Zach was a chief tax collector, and he was very wealthy, but he didn't. He went ahead and he said, and he was short. Now here's the thing about short. Short is relative. Tall is relative. Tall is, let, let me show you. Come here, come here real quick. All right, come stand on the stage right here. Come right here. Yeah, y'all get this, man. How are you, man? Oh yeah. How old? Yeah, how old are you? 10. 10, okay, awesome. All right, I'm 40. So, <laughs> so I just want y'all to know right now, I feel tall. How do you feel? I feel tall. You feel tall too? I mean, Good. I'm like at your shoulder. You're close, I know, and you're 10, and you got 30 more years. You'll be up here, okay? So, think this. All right, but height is relative, okay? I, I, feel, super, I feel super tall right now. Nathan, come here. Come here. Okay. So every time I'm looking right here, man, I feel like, I feel, man, I feel like I'm, I'm hitting my game and then what in the world? Like, like, how many know tall and height is relative? Watch it. So, so now I don't, I don't feel so tall anymore. Like I feel, I, I feel like you feel, all right? Like I feel. Feel like I'm a little down here. What? But I want you to see this. Notice that Dr. Luke gives, gives two descriptions that are relative. Wealth is relative. Because how many know? Some of you in here think you're poor, but just depends who you stand by. Because for many of us, you're actually rich. But you get into a room with a lot of rich people, and then you feel like you're poor. Y'all following me? All right. Y'all give it up for these guys. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. So I say all that just to say this, be careful looking down on people because it's all relative. It's all relative. And, 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 and let me say how this applies to us in our life. 
Many of us, we elevate our goodness over other people because at least I'm not like such and such. And if we're comparing ourselves to people, it's always a bad game because it's always relative. Come, you know, there's always someone that's probably better than you. There's always someone that's worse than you. All I know is this, that when Jesus came, there was one standard. So here's the second point. Like, Like Zacchaeus, we're all short. Pastor Josh, you get a scripture for that? Yeah, I do, actually. Romans 3. Romans 3 says this. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. All have fallen short. See, the problem with the Pharisees is they kept going around talking about how big they were. They never admitted how short they were. And they missed Jesus constantly because they thought about how tall they were, how good they were, and they missed Jesus. But the moment that you begin to to see that every one of us in this room falls short in some area of your life, everybody in here. Oftentimes when I sit down with men, one of my heart's desire is to make men rich where they're poor because I've noticed oftentimes they're rich in one area but they're very poor in another. They're tall in this area of their life, all of their employees love them, but their wife hates them. I'm telling you, this is how it plays out. And oh man, they make all of this money, but they can't buy any happiness. They're short in happiness and in joy. And so what we have here is we have this dichotomy that's happening because this is a man of great wealth. This is a man of great prestige. This is a man of great connections. This is a man that's got the, the, like the pinnacle of what you would think of success. And yet at the same time, he is short. He's short. He recognizes his shortness. This is so huge for us in our lives that if you want to really encounter Jesus, you're going to have to recognize your shortness. You know, when ships are in distress, they send out an SOS, right? SOS, 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 save our souls, save our souls. I think that should be see our shortness. Some of us need to send out an SOS to say, man, I I see my shortness. I I, I see my sin, I see what's going on in my life. Zacchaeus had power. Zacchaeus had richness. But the shortness in his life is what drew him to Jesus. And God, and God desires for us to embrace our shortness because in what areas of our life we're short in, it drives us to Jesus. And until you stop trying to impress people with what you do have and you humble yourself and acknowledge what you don't have, you'll never really encounter Jesus. We're so much trying to tell people where we're tall in the areas of our life that we're lacking to realize and be humble enough of the areas we're short in. And the problem is Jesus can never get to those areas of our life because we're always bragging about what we're doing well in. But I mean, we're short. All of us are short in some area of our life. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Now, the beauty of this, though, is that once he's realized that, yes, I have all of this outward prestige, but there's something that's deep. I've got a hole in my soul. It drives him to go seek Jesus. So the third point is, like Zacchaeus, we can all seek Jesus. So like Zacchaeus, we all can come up short. Like Zacchaeus, we can put 
a lot of our identity in our stuff and success, even though it never satisfies, but also like Zacchaeus, we can all seek Jesus. And it says this, look at the, the, the verse, it says this, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. Now I want you to just pause there for a moment and think about this, this guy. This guy has been um, ridiculed and he's been isolated and because he uh, had such a great love for money and, and, and really gave up his people for the pursuit of money, Tax collectors were not allowed into the synagogue. So think about this. However long this man has been in this profession, he's never been able to go to church. Ever. Because they've outcasted him because of his profession. So he's never been able to be in a place to encounter God. He's never been a place around God's people. They, they all despise him. They don't wanna have anything to do with him. And he gets word that there is somebody on Jesus' team that used to be a tax collector. I remember Matthew. I wonder if what happened to Matthew could happen to me. And so, so this curiosity comes about him because it says that he, he desires just to see Jesus. I just want to see who this guy is. I'm hearing all about him, and I just want to see who he is. And so, so it says, but on account of the crowd, he could not see because he was small in stature. So he, what? Ran, Ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that Wait, let's, let's hone in on those two words right there, those two verbs. He ran and he climbed. He ran and he climbed. Question, when is the last time you've seen a short, rich man running and climbing? Like, I don't know about y'all. I've never seen a rich man climb anything. He'll chop that tree down before he ever climbs it. Like, this is a grown man that is running, which by the way was such a, 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 a thing that Jewish men did not do because there was so much prestige for what they were. This is why it was a big deal in Luke chapter 15 when the father sees his lost son, the Bible says he runs to his lost son. And, and, and if Jewish people would have heard that story, when they would have heard that story, they would have been like, what? Because Jewish men don't run. You, you're, not, you're not wearing jeans and some, you know, some brooks. That's not happening. These guys have an entire that's not even designed for running. And so this guy is not only running, he's also climbing. And there's something that we can learn within this because there's something so broken inside of him, he's willing to do whatever it takes. He's doing, willing to do whatever it takes. Can I tell you who runs and who climbs? Children. Children run and climb. And you all got children that climb on everything, everything, running around everywhere. We will dismiss this service, and when the kids come back over here, you watch. They ain't just doing this. They're climbing everything, climbing over chairs, climbing all over stuff. This, this is what they do. This is, this, is, this is just in their nature. But isn't it amazing that we can learn something from children, though? Because if you look actually one chapter before that, in Luke chapter 18, look at this verse. Jesus says it this way. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. I mean, no, kids don't care what people think. They don't care whatsoever at all. Like, how many you know, they'll say whatever they're thinking in that moment, and they don't care who's around. 
Dad, he's fat. Shut up. Don't say that. <laughs> Mama, where's her hair? Like, that's like, don't say that. Like, y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, and, and, and they don't care about volume. They don't care. There's one volume. One. That's, that's it. That's the only volume they got. Loud, running, climbing. This is what they do. And can I just go ahead and just put this out there? How does this apply to me, Pastor Josh? Because some of you don't have breakthrough because you're too proud to do any of that kind of stuff. You're too proud to admit where your weaknesses are. You're too proud to admit that you have shortcomings. You're too proud to do something that maybe people would look at and go, what are you doing? What are you doing? You care more about what people think about you than you do your breakthrough. And that's the difference of Zacchaeus because you got to want something bad enough that you'll run and climb a tree. And I'm going to tell you right now. This will come a day where you'll have so much trouble in your life and so much desperation in your life, you don't care what anybody thinks about you. You'll do whatever you got to do to, keep, to, to touch Jesus. Hey, you don't believe me? Oh, you see this all throughout Scripture. A woman with an issue of blood, she had been bleeding for so long that she came to the point she was so desperate for a touch from Jesus. I mean, no, the Bible says the crowds was all around her, and she was like, get out of my way. I am going to touch that man. I mean, y'all know that's, that's, that's the story of, of because of the desperation of what she was willing to do to embarrass herself and all of her issues, she got a miracle from Jesus. Four friends had a, had a, had a, had a friend that could not walk. They tried to bring him to Jesus. The crowd, yet again, the crowd was all in the house and they were like, we are getting this guy to Jesus. So what do they do? They bust open the roof and they're like, we'll pay you later. We need our friend to meet Jesus right now. So they lower the man and he gets a healing right there. The chapter right before this, in chapter 18, there's a guy by the name of Blind Bartimaeus. He cannot see. He cannot see. And he hears that Jesus is coming. And so he just begins to say, Jesus, Savior. And the crowd, yet again, the crowd goes, shut up. Shut up. And the verse literally says this. He just yells louder. Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. How many know in order for you to get the breakthrough, you're going to have to be willing to embarrass yourself for you to meet Jesus in a way that gets his attention and go, God, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. But you've got to be willing to lay down your pride in order to get that. And Zacchaeus got to this place in his life. When you get to the point that you don't care what people say about you and you don't care what people think about you and you're willing to lose your pride is the moment that God often will encounter you the most. And if you are desperate to seek Jesus, that's the problem with most American Christians. We're just not desperate enough. We're just not desperate enough. And so what literally has to happen is something so tragic are so wrong in your life has to come before you seek Jesus. And this is where we are in Zacchaeus' life. He's just done with his life. And so Zacchaeus climbs up. He runs ahead of the crowd. And how many know he's short? So it's taking a while. <laughs> he's like, Jesus is coming this way. Run, climbs a tree, gets in the tree, and he waits. Because it says he was, this was the, he, the way that he was coming. And so he sits and he waits. And I wonder, I always put myself in these stories. I wonder who saw him run. I wonder who saw him climb. And I wonder what they said. And I wonder how he responded. Just mind your business. Okay, I'm just here. I'm just, 
okay? As my wife says, it doesn't pay you any mind to mind your business, okay? So just, just stay there. And he waits. And he positions himself to see Jesus. But he not only positions himself to see Jesus, he positions himself for Jesus to see him. I wonder how much of our encounters with Jesus are less about our activity and more about just us positioning ourselves in a place to encounter God. Isn't it amazing that I can, we can have a service like here, we got you know, tons of people in the room, and some of y'all can walk out of this sermon and go, that was for me. God spoke to me. And some of y'all can walk out of here and go, what time are we eating? We're going, we're going to lunch. What I have learned more and more as a pastor and a preacher and all this is so much of the fruit in your life has a lot less to do with me and way more to do with you. See, because in the parable of the sower, the seed wasn't bad, the soil was. And guess what? I don't tend your soil. You do. The seed was thrown. The seed was thrown. It wasn't in the throwing of the seed, and it wasn't in the seed. It was in the soil. And it's amazing how today so many pastors and preachers get blame for the people for where they are. Now, you don't do that to me. I know y'all don't. Y'all love me. Y'all like, I take responsibility for my life. I know it's not you, Pastor. But it's amazing how it's so easy to place blame than to take responsibility. I'm not getting fed. Well, last time I checked, you just need to have soil, and as long as the seed went out, you would always bear fruit. That's not even my message. Okay, Lord. All right, there we go. So he's positioned himself to seek Jesus. Okay, now let's... let's, let's Let's change people now. Okay, we've been in, and we've been in Zacchaeus' shoes. Let's go to Jesus' shoes. So write this first thought down. Jesus is seeking you. So that's the question we've got to ask. Is Zacchaeus seeking God? Or is Jesus seeking Zacchaeus? Well, let's look. If you go back to the very beginning of Luke chapter 19, and you look at the very first verse, we kind of skipped over it kind of fast. I want to show you verse 1, and I want to show you verse 5. So the beginning of verse 1 says this, and he, speaking of Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. Okay? Verse 5 then says, and when Jesus came to the place. This is, you gotta, you gotta understand yet again what's, what's playing out here. This is a huge part of it. Jesus is passing through. Now, if you follow Jesus for long enough and you've walked through the gospels looking at the life of Jesus, Jesus never passes through without purpose. Can we talk about the woman at the well? How many of y'all know 
that was a Jesus encounter that Jesus planned. He knew where she would be, when she would be there, and he made sure that he was there at that moment, sent his guys off. Can we talk about actually all these other people, blind Bartimaeus and the woman with the issue of blood? How many know? He knew. And here's, here's the challenge for us. And God, this is such a challenge for me, and I pray that it would be a challenge for you. Many of us are passing by when we should be passing through. We're passing by people constantly. At Walmart, at work, at school, at, we're constantly passing by. But Jesus didn't pass by, he passed through. There was intentionalities to everything that he did. Everywhere that he went, he knew that he needed to go into that place because there was somebody there that needed something that he had. And it said that when he got to the place, which tells me that he knew there was a place he needed to be at the right time. Question, did he know Zacchaeus would be in the tree? Absolutely. I even go back as far as to think about the fact of how God ordained that tree to be there at that time. Can we even go back that far? Like that God had a tree planted? You know what I'm like? That'll blow your mind. You start thinking about that stuff. Like how God ordains and, and just, any of y'all got just stories in your life where you knew there was a God intersection and God set up stuff for you to maybe encounter someone or you to have a God encounter in some way and you're like, that, there was just too many things that happened for that to not be God. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So, so just for you to realize that, that, that the beauty of the gospel is not that we as men are seeking God. The beauty of the gospel is that God of the universe is seeking you. And so I, I just want you to know that today. Like, oh, man, I just feel like, man, I just feel so far from God. I just feel like, you know, God, listen, he's, he's chasing you. We sing songs about it. Luke chapter 15, just a couple of chapters before, was talking about how he was so passionate about finding the lost one. The lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. He's constantly seeking us. So I want to challenge us that in that. That we don't just pass by, but we pass through on purpose. So Jesus is seeking you. Here's the next thing. Jesus sees you and he knows you. Jesus sees you and he knows you. It says he entered Jericho. He's passing through. When Jesus came to the place, so he comes to this spot says he looks up and he says to him, Zacchaeus. He looks up and he says to him, Zacchaeus. Now think about this. This is a huge part here. It's one thing for people to look up to you. It's another thing for Jesus to look up to you. Because all of these people for so long had been looking down on him. His whole life was marked by people looking down on him. And think about the moment that Jesus, he just went to take a look. That's all he was. He was going to seek to see who Jesus was. That's all he was trying to do. He was just trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. He didn't even actually plan on having a conversation with Jesus, but Jesus planned on having a conversation with him. And so he walks to the spot, to the place. He looks up and he says, hey, Zacchaeus. And think about the moment that Zacchaeus is sitting there in the tree and going, you know me? Like, we haven't talked. Who told him? Who told him? You know me? I've been called a lot of names. Never my actual name. Now think about this. Watch this. Because every names have meaning. When Lindsay and I were, were um, planning 
our sons, we, you know, very intentional about the, the names of our children and their first name and their, and their middle name because there was something in the Bible days that they didn't just give names. Like names had significant prophetic things to them. Like Jesus, Christ, Savior, the anointed one, the Savior. I mean, no, that's a, that is a name that is prophetic. Do you want to know what the name Zacchaeus means? Righteous one. Righteous one or pure one. So Jesus looks up to him and says, Zacchaeus. He calls him by his name, which represents righteous one, which is exactly the opposite of who he is and what he's done. But he calls him by his name. Jesus doesn't call him by what he's done. Jesus doesn't call him by what people had called him his name. Jesus called him by the name that he was given, the righteous one. And how many of you are grateful in this house that when Jesus looks at you and he knows you and he knows your brokenness and he knows your past, he doesn't call you by your past. He doesn't call you by your failures. How many know he calls you by the name that he has given you, child of God, man of God, woman of God, son of God, righteous one. If I'm broken, he calls me whole. If I'm insecure, he calls me confident. If I'm depressed, he calls me joy. He knows me and he calls me and he sees me and he calls me up to what he's created me to be. This is what we wanna be as a church, by the way. I don't need to remind people what they've done. They remind themselves of that enough. It's as a church, we wanna call people to who they've been called to be in, the, in, in, in their image of Christ, their identity in Christ, their purpose in Christ, Listen, the world will continue to tell you and remind you of all the things you've done in the past. Jesus reminds you who he's called you to be and what you're called in him. So he says, Zacchaeus, righteous one. I can imagine all the other people are like, you don't know, that's not what we call him. He ain't righteous. He wretched, wretched one. That's what you meant to say, right? So, so he sees you, he's seeking you, he knows you, Watch this, the last one here, is he invites you. Look what he says when he says, Zacchaeus calls him by name. He says, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. I've got to stay at your house today. So he hurried and he came down and he received him joyfully. He received him joyfully. I've got to come, no, go back. I've got to come to your house. When? Today. When? Today. When? Today. 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 Jesus says, today's the day. Today's the day you've been waiting on. We're here today. And Jesus invites Zacchaeus from a place of interest to a place of intimacy. And how many know that's what he does for all of us? There's many of you that are here that are like, man, I've got questions. Man, I'm kind of wrestling through this Jesus thing. Man, I, don't, I just really don't know. I'm here. You know, I'm just kind of taking this all in. I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome. If that's you, you're watching online, I'm so glad. But I just want you to know Jesus invites you from a place of interest into a place of intimacy. He says, today, we going to your house. Zach would be like, like my house? Like, no, people don't come to my house. 
I'm coming to your house, and we're going to go to your house, and we're going to eat, and we're going to hang out. And that was such a big deal because to go into someone's house was a place of acceptance. It was a place of intimacy. You, you, just, you definitely didn't do that with, with tax collectors. And I want you to notice what he doesn't say. Notice that he doesn't look at Zacchaeus and go, Zacchaeus, come down right now. You are in trouble. How many know? That's what he thought. You are in trouble. Zacchaeus, listen to me. You have stolen from, look at all these people. None of these people like you. You've stolen from all of these people. Now let me tell you what's gonna happen here. You're gonna go, go in your bank account and you're gonna repay all of these people right here. And once you've done that, and you've proven to me that you really want me, then I'm gonna come stay at your house. And he doesn't do any of that at all. He says, Zacchaeus, hurry up, come down, hurry. These people don't like you and they kinda don't like me, so hurry up, let's go. And we're going to go, we're going to go to your house, your crib, because I know you got that crib crib because you're rich. And so we're going to go to your crib crib, and we're going to hang out, and we're going we're gonna to spend some time together. And you would think, man, all of, all of the, all the people around him would be like, yeah, finally, I've been praying for Zacchaeus. I've been praying for him. But what is their response? It says verse 7, and when they saw it, they all... They all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. So notice, they were always upset with Zacchaeus, and now they've turned all of that aggression and they've pointed it towards Jesus. Now they're not mad at Zacchaeus. Now they're mad at Jesus because here's the deal. They wanted Jesus to come to their house. Right. Hey, wait, wait, hold up, hold up, Jesus. I've been in the synagogue every day. Do you know how well I pray? Do you know how much I give? Do you know what all I've done? I was hoping you would come to my house and you came to his house. It's amazing the religious spirit that gets inside of you that comes out of you when the people that you think are far from God get to encounter God. It's amazing how that comes and creeps up out of you real quickly. And you see this in this moment because this is shocking and this is scandalous. This is a man who's been abusive. This is a man who has been hated. They could not wrap their minds around Jesus and why he would do this. But I mean, no, the church loves the grace of God until they like it in theory. They just don't like it when it actually happens. We like the fact that, that we get forgiveness of sins, just don't forgive his. Because that one hurt me. And Jesus goes, no, 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 this grace is for everyone. Definitely for the chief. And so in verse eight and nine, it says, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I'm going to restore it fourfold. And so Jesus says to him, Here's that word again, today. Today salvation has come to this house since he is also, since he also is a son of Abraham. Now I want you, this is so huge here. You can skip over this real quickly. He is a Jewish man. He is a son, a descendant of Abraham. And it's just amazing that Jesus continually draws him back to who he was created to be. You are a son of Abraham. That's who you are. You're a son of Abraham. The blessings of God are upon you. And I'm reminding you of that. 
And today, salvation has come into this place. Now, I want you to see what ends up happening. Because God, in his radical acceptance through Jesus, it led Zacchaeus to radical repentance, radical transformation. And notice, what, what sermon did Jesus preach? Oh, we didn't see one. We didn't see one. You mean people can get saved and you don't have to preach a sermon? What? Yeah, because here's what I've learned. It is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It is the goodness of God that leads men to the repentance. It was the fact that Jesus says, come on, I'm gonna come hang out in your house. And can you imagine that dinner time? It might've been a little awkward at first. Because how many of you know he's going, if this guy knows my name, and he knows what I do, then he probably knows all that I've done. And I can imagine if I'm Zacchaeus, I'm trying to wrap it up. Jesus, thank you for being here. Glad you're here. You can go on. I know there's all these other people. And Jesus is like, I ain't going anywhere. I'm here with you, man. Me and you. And I, wanna, I always want to imagine, I wonder if any of his disciples were there. Like, I wonder if Matthew was there. <laughs> I wonder if Matthew was in the room, sitting at the table going, bro, listen, look at me. Look at me. Like, I'm, I'm not the man I used to be. All we know is that in this moment, whatever transpired in this moment, this extravagant love demanded an extravagant response. And so here we are, Zacchaeus, he didn't, he, he's not returning the money so he can get the approval of Jesus. He's returning the money because he's already got the approval of Jesus. Uh-huh. How many of y'all know, listen, we ain't working for approval. We've already got it. And when you realize you've already got it, now you want to do it. Because it's not a thing that you owe somebody. It's a gratitude thing. I do it because I love Jesus and Jesus loves me. Like, I want to go. And this is how you know someone's truly saved. Notice, there wasn't a raise your hand. Zacchaeus, you want to know me? Raise your hand right now. Okay. There was no, like, come forward. Come. There was none of those things that we often do. And it was just, a, he was like, Jesus, I, I just need to tell you something. What? I'm, I'm going to repay everybody fourfold. Jesus didn't even ask him to. How you know someone is genuinely saved is the fruits of repentance. Because how many know it's easy to raise a hand and then live my life however I want? But, but Zacchaeus shows us that even in his lostness, he can, he can come to a place and respond to him. So I want to ask us that question. If Jesus came to our house, what would he be asking us to change? What would we be willing to change? Because look in verse 10, it says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So now I want to I, I I end this message with what is God calling us? If, you, if you're saved in here, you've given your life to Jesus, you are born again. God calls us into his mission Our our vision is to reach people and build lives. Reaching people, meaning reaching lost people. Not just found people, but reaching lost people. So how do I do that? Let me give you three things that that we can do to join in partnership with God 
to reach people that are far from Christ. How many, let me just know by, by a show of hands in here, how many in here have somebody in your life, your family, your friends that is lost, that need Jesus? Raise your hand. I just wanna know who I'm talking to in today. Okay, all right. So everybody, okay. So, so now God's gonna invite you to partner with him to reach them. And here's how we do it. Here's how we partner with Jesus. We do the things that Jesus did that we see in this scripture. Here's the first thing. You look for the lost. Jesus is seeking and saving the lost. The question is, are we? Are you? Are you looking for them? Are you not just passing by, but are you passing through? As you go to work tomorrow, look. Look look for them. They're all around you. They're everywhere. Would we just stop? Say, God, today as I walk into my business, God, as I walk into this restaurant, God, as I walk into this store, God, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, people that are in here that are, how many of you know, there's a lot of people searching and you don't even realize it. And here's the other thing, just because they look successful on the outside doesn't mean they're found on the inside. So let's look. We're trying to get people to come to church. God's trying to get his church to the people. Number two, we gotta call the lost. And when I say call the lost, I mean, we've got to know them. He spoke to him and said, Zacchaeus, come down. He, he knew him. You, you've got to be, you've, you've got to not only take personal um, responsibility for this, but you've got to get in people's lives. You've got to get around them. They're just not going to just come just because they, they've got to have relationship. Majority of you probably are here at church because of some relationship. Someone that invited you or someone you knew that's here. Like, there's got to be relationship. And so the way that we call people is we call them into relationship, which leads to the last one, which is we invite the lost. We invite them. And you don't have to just invite them to church, but you invite them into your life. You know what's the saddest statistic is most people that are born again and that love Jesus there is a large majority of people in the U.S. that will never lead someone to salvation in their lifetime, personally. I'm not talking about just bringing them to church. And I don't want to train you just to bring people to church so like Pastor Josh can lead them to salvation. I'm glad they're here, and I will do my best to present the gospel in a way that they hear it. But how many know the best gospel that they hear is from you? You know them. You pray with them. I'm so blessed when I get videos of, of people baptizing their friends. I'm so blessed when I see videos of you guys praying for coworkers, you know, in different places and just what God is doing through you. Many of you are doing that, but I wanna challenge us all to be a people that, God, renew our heart for the lost. God, help us to, to not only look for them and call them, but help us to invite them into our lives. I know in your heart you don't wanna go to the grave and never see one person come to know Jesus because of your life. God, give us... Give us ears to hear, heart to receive. This is the year that changed. You know, there's a scripture that says that the harvest is plentiful, but it's the laborers that are few, the workers that are few. It's not a harvest problem. It's a worker problem. You know, you know in the day and age, I, we got a lot of businessmen here in the church, and the number one complaint I hear from most of our businessmen here in the church, nobody wants to work. Like, nobody wants to work anymore. It doesn't matter how much money we get. Like, nobody wants to work anymore. And it's funny. They tell me that. I'm like, yeah, same in the church. Everybody wants the benefits of God, 
but they don't want to go to work with God because we're so self-centered on what we need from God that we don't realize God's filling you, meeting your needs so you can give it away. So Father, today, Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for uh, your passion to pursue us. Your passion to pursue us. God is seeking and you have sought us and you have found us. And there are those of you that maybe are in this room right now and maybe you've been on the run. But I just want you to know God is stopping in this place and he's looking at you and he's calling you by name. He sees you, he's seeking you, he knows you and he's inviting you into relationship. He's inviting you into relationship. If there's anybody that's in this room and you don't have that relationship with Jesus, the beauty of the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came not only for the forgiveness of sins, but he came to invite us into relationship with him. And that as we repent of our sins and acknowledge that he is Lord of our lives, that the Bible says he'll come and he'll, he will dine with us, he'll live with us, he'll, he'll give us a new heart. And I always, in every message, want to give an opportunity for those that may be in this room that, that you don't know Jesus on that way. You say, I, I want to know him. I want to surrender my life to him. I want to be like Zacchaeus. Maybe there's areas of my life that are successful, but I know that there's a hole. There's, there's a hole in my heart. There's a hole in my soul. I've tried success. I've tried, you know, to, to fulfill it with other things, with relationships, but I've realized all of that has come up short. I need Jesus in my life. If that's you in this, in this room, on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up just so I know who that is, and I want to pray over you. I want to pray with you. One, two, three. If that's you, anybody that's in this room, thank you, right there. Right there on this side over here. Anybody else? Two of y'all in the back. Thank y'all so much. Right over here on the side. Thank y'all. Thank y'all so much. Right there in the back over there. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Bible says all of heaven rejoices when one man repents. All of heaven rejoices when one man repents. All of heaven rejoices today. So we celebrate that. So would you just pray this with me? Father, today... I recognize my deep need for you. I'm lost without you. But you came as your son to live a life that I couldn't live. And you died a death that I deserve to die. But today, I recognize my sin has separated me from you. So I repent of that. And I place you as my Lord and Savior, come, forgive me, cleanse me, give me a new heart and a new desire to follow you all the days of my life. Be my King, be my Lord, be my Savior, be my friends, be my guide from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen.